catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Factual Data Creation Facility Production. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 196, which I'm calling I Want My iMessage. Without any Apple devices, that is. How you doing this fine day? I hope all is well for you. Ready for the holidays? I sure am. Well, at least at this point. I'm looking forward to Santa giving me my new MacBook Air. I've been a good boy this year, honestly. Well, what do you say I just shut up and start this episode? Yes. Tech news. I'm going to start off this section with the week's Apple news, if you don't mind. Apple reportedly plans big overhaul to iPad family to make it less confusing is the headline from CNBC. Other tech outlets have been reporting the same, most going with that confusing term also. As a consumer, I don't find Apple's current lineup of iPads all that confusing, and I don't think others do either. You pick out from what's offered at the price point you can afford. Easy peasy in my opinion. Currently, Apple offers the iPad Pros, iPad Air, iPad Mini, the 10th generation iPad, which is basically a redesigned version of the big bezeled old style Touch ID equipped 9th generation iPad, also known as the OG iPad, which is also still for sale. And speaking of sales, iPad sales have fallen an estimated 3% since last fiscal year. Uh But I don't think confusion is the main culprit here. Let's face it, iPads are boring compared to their Apple device brethren, and you don't really carry them around to show them off within your social circles. And even if you do, not many ordinary people can tell if you have the latest or greatest iPad model just by looking at them. And what fun is that? iPads also last a very long time. Well, so do all other Apple devices, but you don't use iPads as much or for the same reasons you would, let's say, your iPhone. Also, the price of iPads are too much, in my opinion, for the normal user's use cases. Of course, you have that very small minority of users who use their iPads for all their computing needs. That's what they claim anyway. I consider myself a normal average user of iPads, and basically, I word process, pay bills online, browse the web, check email and most of all, consume content on them. 
Anyway, the article parrots other tech sources saying that the new pros and air models will be announced as early as March of next year. And that's not too far off, about three months. The new iPad Pros are expected to be equipped with OLED displays this time around, a first for the giant fruit company, and also be equipped with huge price tags. This will make these new Pro models less desirable and unobtainable for most. The iPad Air will, for the first time, come in two sizes, 10.9 inches and a whopping 12.9-inch model. Wow! Unlike the Pro versions, the Air will be equipped with the M2 chip versus the M3 chip that the much more expensive Pro lineup will get. The Airs will also be sticking with LCD screens and no ProMotion, which is just another name for a higher screen refresh rate, in this case up to 120 Hz. The Air will top out at a humble 60 Hz, good enough for most. Both the iPad Mini and 10th generation iPad will see updates later in the year, most likely just upgraded chips, you know, like an A15 or 16 version. The old 9th version will probably be discontinued. Myself, I would rather see the Mini drop because if the rumors of the iPhone 16 are true, the Pro Mac version is going to be equipped with a 6.9-inch screen, which is almost the same size as the 7-inch screen of the Mini. Sure, the form factors are different, but not by much. Now, some may like to read books, etc. on their iPad Minis, but, you know, you can get a top-of-the-line Amazon Kindle for less money and have a better overall reading experience. Heck, for the price of an iPad Mini, actually a little less, you can buy yourself the iPad 10th generation, which has a 10.9-inch screen and a center stage front camera, which is mounted in the correct position for video chats and the like. My wife rocks one of these models and just loves it. You can also equip it with a keyboard made by Apple. The Mini only has janky third-party options. I know this because I once had a cellular-equipped Mini with third-party keyboard back in ancient times. In this case, circa 2016. The Mini was just too small for my liking, but hey, that's just me. Along with these new models, new updated accessories are coming. Supposedly, the keyboards will be crafted from aluminum for a more MacBook look. And here lies the problem I have with iPads. For the price of these iPads plus accessories, you could just buy yourself a MacBook Air for less money. As I've stated before, I am interested in a 12.9-inch iPad Air, but I'm in no hurry. I'll just wait until some of those Pro features trickle their way down to the Air models. CNET has the following headline. Beeper relaunches its iMessage on Android app, but requires Apple ID. Last week I reported that Apple had squashed Beeper's Beeper Mini app, which let Android users have iMessage on their phones. This was done by registering phony credentials with Apple servers, spoofing them into thinking Android phones were iPhones. That's shady, but better than the previous method Beeper employed, which was to basically steal Mac authentication keys from unsuspecting Mac users. The current method that Beeper is employing requires the user to have an Apple ID account, which would allow one to send iMessages via their Apple account email. Still shady, but at least nothing is being stolen or spoofed with this method. Beeper cried hard and loud about Apple's shutdown of its Beeper Mini app, claiming that being able to use iMessage was akin to a basic human right. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I got hairy legs. Apple could have dropped a lawsuit on Beeper, a suit that Apple would win, but they didn't. Something I thought they would do. Well, I think this move will cause Apple to unleash the hounds, as the Gen Zers would say. No! The hounds being the high-priced corporate lawyers that Apple retains. 
Apple now requires a judge's consent to hand over push notification data, reads the headline from Reuters. Last week, it came to light that government and law enforcement agencies were snooping on citizens by perusing the push notification from apps sent to the target's devices. This was something that Google was already doing, so this put Apple in line with that policy. This, of course, can be considered a good development, but many law enforcement agencies, especially federal ones, have judges that will just rubber stamp whatever they are presented with. This has been proven to have taken place in the past and is probably still taking place now. <laughs> yeah, boy. I don't know if it's possible, but couldn't end-to-end encryption of push notifications put an end to all this? I think it would at least make it harder for these agencies to spy on people. What do you think? According to an article from ZDNet, you can now buy an AirPods Pro 2 case without the earbuds. These cases, of course, would be equipped with the USB-C port versus the old Lightning port. The problem is that this case will cost you 100 bucks. What? No, thank you. I'd rather just keep using my Lightning port equipped pros with the Lightning cable I purchased for a little over a dollar on Amazon. I'm sure people will buy these USB cases just to live the one cable to rule them all lifestyle. (laughs) Well, not this kid. I'll just be waiting for the AirPods Pro 3s to come out. Thank you. And speaking of USB-C, the Tech Radar's headline says, Apple rumored to be switching its Mac accessories to USB-C early in 2024. Yay! The accessories the headline is referring to is the Magic Mouse, Magic Keyboard, and Magic Trackpad, all of which are still equipped with the Lightning port. These accessories were expected to be upgraded along with the release of the M3 chip-equipped iMac back in October. And of course, we know that they weren't. So if you bought one of these new iMacs, you also got the soon-to-be-obsolete Lightning-equipped accessories. The new USB-C-equipped accessories are expected to be announced in May of 2024. This will leave the iPhone SE as the only non-USB-C device in Apple's stable of products. This lends credence to my theory that Apple rushed the introduction of the M3 chip family of products, probably to steal some thunder from NVIDIA and the other companies' announcements in October. While they're at it, I hope Apple redesigns the horrendous Magic Mouse, which requires you to turn it upside down in order to charge it. The keys of the Magic Keyboard can use a reworking too, in my humble opinion. Threads Countdown hints at EU launch on December 14th, says the headline from Engadget. So I guess if you're a social media maven located in Europe, this will be good news. Though the mainstream media and government entities appear to be trying to destroy X, formerly Twitter, since Musk took over, Thread still doesn't seem to be catching on as much as those powers that be would want it to. Users still report that Threads doesn't replicate the old Twitter feel. Maybe someday it will. Time will tell. Don't worry, old Meta is still sucking up and selling all the data it can from you. As for myself, I've sworn off all social media platforms, and I know I feel better for doing so. Just say no to social media is what I advise. Continuing with Engadget, the headline reads, Google's superfast 20GPS Wi-Fi 7 fiber plan costs $250 a month. And that's their grammar, not not mine. Now that price may seem to be a lot, but I pay half of that for a measly 500 megabits per second. And after going through my mesh system, I'm lucky to get 200 megabits per second. So why don't I just switch to Google Fiber, you might ask? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because Google Fiber is only available in select cities. 
and New York and its surrounding area isn't one of them. What? I could go over to Verizon, which offers one gigabit per second service for around $100 per month, but they require that you use their router and you have to sign a one-year contract. Being that I plan on moving from this area, I'm contract adverse these days. All the places where Google Fiber is available are not places I would consider living. When I first moved to the New York area after retiring from the military, there were plenty of options around with a variety of independent internet providers available. Over the years, they've all been squeezed out of the market, leaving just two ISPs available. See what a lack of competition leads to? Consider yourself lucky if Google Fiber is available where you live. Color me envious. With all the new chips being announced over the last few months by Qualcomm, NVIDIA, MediaTek, Apple, AMD, Microsoft, and even Amazon, I often wonder where old Intel was and what plans they had, if any. Well, the old x86 company seems to have answered, if the headline from CNET is to be believed. It reads, Intel puts AI, ARC graphics, at the core of its new laptop CPUs. Is the Empire finally striking back? Intel's new Core Ultra series of chips are available now, so you can expect a bevy of new laptops from the usual suspects, i.e. Intel's partners like Asus and HP, for example, which should be hitting store shelves by the end of December. Intel promises a 25% increase in battery life, but that still lags behind Apple's laptop offerings. Graphics are said to be vastly improved and add support for DirectX 12 Ultimate, which brings ray tracing and mesh shading to the chip. The drawback of these new chips is that they require at least 16 gigs of RAM to function, which might shut out budget buyers. I've been seeing a lot of Apple-centric channels on YouTube lately, touting the performance of Intel-based laptops, but these come off as nothing more than what's called native ads meaning that the hosts of these channels were well-paid for those heaped-on praises. We'll just have to sit back and see if old Darth Intel can recapture its former empire. I am your father. Tech I'm using. Besides discontinuing my Microsoft 365 subscription, I deleted the Word app off all my devices. This marks the first time I haven't had Word on any of my phones, computers, and tablets in many years. I go back a while, to say the least. So, many years translates into a very long time. <laughs> the first Word processor I used was WordStar version 1.0. It was provided with my first MS-DOS computer, the old Sanyo MBC 550, which itself ran on MS-DOS 1.0. Yeah, that's how long I go back. Oh yeah. Besides WordStar, CalcStar and DataStar, I think that's what the database program of the Star series was called, were also included with the Sanyo. Surprisingly, the software company behind the Star series still survives to this day. They're from a company based in Germany, and I believe they are now open source, which is good for them. A bit later, I switched to WordPerfect because that was what the military was using back then. Later, Word was adapted, and I never looked back. I've tried using open-source word processors such as those equipped in uh, suites like LibreOffice, but they were just copies of Word with the same horrible user interface. My reason that I might as well just use Word, as Microsoft offered their Office suite at a steep discount for military and government workers. That all changed when I received my first Mac, the old 2015 iMac my lovely wife gifted me for my birthday. 
I started using Apple's Pages and came to like its clean interface integration within Apple's ecosystem. Of course, I regressed a bit and acquired the then Office 365 due to my need of writing scripts and taking work home. The problem I had with Pages back then was due to iCloud, which to this day doesn't function as well as Microsoft's OneDrive. Upon my retirement last year, that problem became moot, but I kept my 365 subscription around, mainly because of the Teams video conferencing app. Back then, I had hopes of picking up some sort of work-from-home gig, which never materialized and probably never will. I kind of feel liberated about being Microsoft Word free. I once again had a chance to try out the keyboard of the 15-inch MacBook Air, of which I have an example sitting beneath my Christmas tree waiting to be opened on the 25th of this month. This time it was at Costco. I spent about 15 minutes messing around with it while my wife was shopping. I opened pages and started typing away. Again, I'm not impressed with it. I felt there was little to no difference between it and the butterfly keyboards which my previous MacBook Air and Pro had. Perhaps I've just gotten spoiled by the mechanical keyboard I use on my new Mac Mini setup. I even think the keyboard on my iPad Pro accessories better. Maybe it's just me. Like the touch bar, I, I like the latest generation of the butterfly keyboards. I think Apple punched out too early on both. Then again, for some reason, I felt that the keyboard which came on my 2018 MacBook Air was better than that of my 2019 MacBook Pro, though the Pro had the latest generation of the butterfly keyboard. I guess I'm just weird like that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Entertainment news. Last week saw the release of the Obama-produced Netflix movie, the somewhat racist World Economic Forum-inspired cyber attack disaster movie titled Leave the World Behind, and a trailer for the upcoming movie Civil War, which seems to be based upon a wet dream of both the far-right and far-left factions of this country, in which the United States has plunged into a nation-ending conflict. I will not be wasting my precious time watching either. In regards to Leave the World Behind, I hear that people who actually sat through this, and I use the term lightly, movie, say that besides the racist depictions and statements, it was a long, boring, disconnected mess. Now concerning the trailer for Civil War and the forthcoming movie, I say to all those rooting for something like this to actually happen, the result of the Civil War will not go as one might expect it to. And I'll just leave that right there. Anyway, are we being pre-programmed for something by Hollywood? Hmm. You tell me. Two television series that I'm actually enjoying are Apple TV Plus's Slow Horses and, surprisingly, Amazon Prime's Reacher. 
The third season of Slow Horses is shaping up to be its best. The writing and acting are top-notch, and I always enjoy the spy world twist the show throws at you. Reacher isn't as well-written or acted, but compared to most of the other direct presented as entertainment these days, those deficiencies can be overlooked. Now in its second season, Reacher improves on the basic hero's journey of the first season with the introduction of new and interesting characters and a semi-solid storyline for a change. The series is based on the work of author Lee Childs, whose Reacher series of novels I'm not really a fan of. You know, if you've read one, you've read them all. This particular story translates well to the screen, and the scriptwriters seem to take care in plugging the plot holes of the novels. While reading a couple of Reacher novels years ago, the author claimed that monetary bills, dollars in this instance, are invisible to x-ray machines, thus enabling the smuggling of suitcases full of them through airports. Well, I used to do this for a living, and I can tell you that cash does show up when x-rayed, especially in large quantities. Cash also creates a pattern on the x-ray screen, which any experienced operator can discern. The second inaccuracy I found in Mr. Child's work is the claim that a military travel voucher can be used as cash, which would allow a member to travel anywhere in the world using them. This is just blatantly false. A military travel voucher is filled out and filed after military travel is completed. I contacted the author via email and pointed these discrepancies out and received no reply. Unlike other authors whose mistakes I had pointed out over the years. These authors were appreciative of the info I provided, and one actually offered to contact me in the future regarding my expertise. I had declined that offer, being I was still employed by my agency at the time. Anyway, I recommend these shows. Podcast News As previously reported, Google is retiring the company's podcast listening app in favor of YouTube Music. The sunset date has been officially given as April of next year. Here are some recommendations for those who will have to switch when that day finally comes. As a heads up, this podcast will not be making it over to YouTube Music because Google is doing some funky things in regard to RSS, which of course is the standard used to distribute podcasts. Hint, Google is requiring video files even if the show is just audio only. What the hell? All of the podcast listening apps on this list are Podcasting 2.0 compliant with various degrees of features. I have personally used each of these recommendations and they are all available on both Android and iOS. Well, almost all of them. First up is Podverse. If you're after an app which features all of the up-to-the-minute features of Podcasting 2.0, then this is your choice. Unfortunately, in order to get all of these features, you have to subscribe to Podverse, and it is one of the more expensive ones to subscribe to. Until recently, I used Podverse. Besides the high subscription price, I found the user's interface to be dreary and kind of crowded. You may not feel the same way, though. At a slightly lower subscription price, but just as feature-packed, there's Fountain, whose UI is straightforward. The thing I don't like about Fountain is the app's yellow-colored theme. I know that's sort of petty, but the yellow theme is ugly and distracts me for some reason. For an even more reasonable subscription price, there's a Podcast Guru, which is the most beautiful-looking podcast listening app I've ever seen. I don't care for the way it displays your subscribed shows, though. A minor quibble, but hey, I'm paying for it. Podcast Guru lags slightly behind previous apps in regards to implementing Podcast 2.0 features, but the developer is attentive and does everything possible to keep up. 
Next is an app that's only available for Android. It's called Podcast Attic. When I rocked an Android phone, this was my podcatcher of choice. I haven't used Podcast Attic for a while, but when I did, I found the UI to be sort of cluttered and old school. They might have improved that recently, though. Either way, Podcast Attic is worth a look. Finally, we have PlayAPod. The only podcasting 2.0 feature that this app has, at least that I can discern, is the option to use the Podcast Index in lieu of Apple's Podcast Index. What's great about PlayAPod is that there are no subscription fee nor ads. It's just a great little listening app with a good UI. If you're not in need of all the features of Podcasting 2.0, this is the one to get, and the price is sure right. Continuing with podcast listening apps, I've had a bit of shuffle in the ones I use. As I've said previously, I ditched Podverse and replaced with my old friend Castomatic. What? I've had problems with Castomatic in the past, but they seem to have been corrected in the current version. The UI has been improved also. I got rid of Pocket Casts, who's not only doubled their subscription price, but now has various tiers in order to be able to use certain features. Features that were available with the basic subscription price previously. The $14.99 yearly subscription price is now just for the basic features, which is mostly just no ads. If you were to max out the tiers, you'll be spending well over $20 per year. And that's way too much for a non-podcasting 2.0 compliant app, in my opinion. The only interesting real podcast news I could find this week is that Australian microphone maker Rode has bought professional audio company Mackie. Mackie caters to live events, so we can conclude that Rode wants to diversify. Personally, I'm a fan of Rode and hope they shift Mackie's manufacturing to Australia from China, where Mackie's equipment is currently made. Rode's products are all manufactured in Australia and have industry-leading warranties. You know, I can see myself with an all-road lineup in the future. Huh? Story time. Well, kind of. Being that I'm a retired law enforcement officer, I'm entitled to carry a firearm, concealed, of course, under the Leosa law. In order to keep this entitlement, I'm required to qualify annually with this firearm. Last year, when I was about to retire, I qualified using my duty weapon that was issued by my agency. I did this because the day I retired would have me breaking the law for even possessing a firearm, much less carrying one. Now, I was never a great marksman with a pistol, and my abilities tapered off as I aged. Thankfully, the course requirements for Leosa qualification aren't as stringent as my agency's course was. My agency-issued firearm was a Glock 19 with upgraded tritium sights. This turned out to be lucky for me because while attending basic training down in Georgia, I picked up the same model handgun for what's considered a song and a dance. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And that was over 25 years ago, and I had never fired that weapon since. It just sat untouched in its original box within a safe all these years until, well, a week or so ago. For some reason, the qualification course was a bit more stringent this year, and I was a little nervous about it. My new-slash-old model Glock 19 has just the basic sights, and as I said, I'd never fired it before. To my pleasant surprise, I shot well with it, better than I have in years. While awaiting my new Leosa ID, I mentioned this to one of my fellow shooters who was a retired NYPD officer. He suggested that perhaps my agency-issued firearm had a heavier trigger pull weight than my basic off-the-shelf model. 
After doing some research when I got home, it turned out he was absolutely correct. You know, you learn something new every day, it seems. As far as the range experience went, uh, it was quick and well run. My fellow Leosa qualifiers were made up of a mishmash of retired NYPD from different units and a sprinkling of county police. Me being the only retired federal officer and seemingly the odd man out. I'm planning on getting some range practice this year before I have to qualify and see if I can approve. I hadn't shot in over a year until this qualification, but I surprised myself by remembering how to operate the weapon and the rules of the range. I guess over 25 years of training will will do this for you. Well, the music is playing and the episode is, of course, winding down. It was just eight days out from Christmas. Boy, this year flew by fast. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. As usual, any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com. And it's only if you're inclined to do so. I enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Hey, don't you have some gift shopping and wrapping to do? Well, go to it. But first, get off my lawn. And stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.